scripture for today. It comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it aloud. This is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you the least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as I mentioned earlier, and as we celebrated, today is the first Sunday in the season of Advent, which is the season of waiting, of anticipation for the birth of the Christ, the arrival of Jesus into the world and into our lives, past, present, and future. And so for the next four Sundays, we'll go on this journey of Advent, of waiting, of anticipating together. And as I was preparing this series of sermons earlier in the year, I must have been right in the throes of some of my studies as well because I had this idea for us to have a semiotic advent. I know. Just go with me for a minute. That, that's, that is the topic of um, my doctoral program, is semiotics, church, and culture. And so semiotics basically just means watching, paying attention to, seeing the signs. The signs of the times, the signs of the scriptures. But not only paying attention to them or seeing them, but then also understanding them and knowing what to do with them. That's semiotics. You're welcome. This, this is my life for the last year and a half and another year and a half to come. And hopefully when I'm done with it all, they'll give me a piece of paper (laughs) that said way to go. But if I got to go on this journey, by golly, you're going with me. So a semiotic advent, here we go. And uh, I was talking with Morgan Kennedy, who, you know, does our communications. And uh, I was pitching that as a series or concept for a series of sermons. And she said, that's not going to make sense to anybody. So let's do signs of a savior. So that's that's what, that's what our series will be for the next four Sundays, is the signs of a Savior that we see in the Scriptures, particularly around this Advent or the Christmas story. But then not only the signs we see in the Scriptures, but also the signs we see all around us and among us even today. Signs of a Savior. 
And so specifically, the signs we're going to look at in the Scriptures will be the star, the gifts that were brought to the baby Jesus, the angels, and the manger. And then, of course, we'll culminate on Christmas Eve with the greatest sign of all, the Christ child. But we'll start this morning with the star and what that sign says for us, not just about biblical times, but about our times in which we live today. But I want to ask a question of you first. Has anybody decorated already for Christmas? Anybody willing to admit it? Raise the hand. Yeah, decorated before Christmas probably. Anybody? Or excuse me, before Thanksgiving. All right. Another question. If you've got a tree, if you've got a Christmas tree, or you're going to put the tree up, even if it's not up yet, what do you put on the top? Who in here are star people? Who puts a star? Come on, be proud. It's the topic of the sermon. You can't go wrong. We put a star. Anybody? Everybody? Stars? Okay. Who are angel people? Who put angels on the top of their tree? Anybody? It's kind of 50-50 in here. Yeah. Is anybody other? Is anybody in the other category? You put something other than a star or an angel? What do you put? A bow? 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 I got stars, angels, bows. Anybody else not put a star or an angel? What do you put? Right, which tree is what you were about to say to me. Alan has several. A crystal globe. I saw another hand back here that's not a star or an angel. What do you put? No hand back here? Could have sworn somebody put a hand up. Anybody else not a star? Yes. The manger scene. I couldn't hear the first part. A mini manger scene. Miniature. Nice. And I mean, the reason we put stars or angels on the top of our tree or bows or the manger scene or the globe, it, it means something to us. It has some significance. There's something about that, that we see it on the top of our tree every day through the Christmas season that brings meaning to us. But for our story today, we're focusing on the star, the star of Bethlehem or the Christmas star, maybe you've heard it called. And it was a sign for these three wise men, right, to follow. How many wise men were there? Ah, we don't know. Yeah, the story doesn't tell us that. It doesn't say how many wise men. Isn't it interesting how many things we think we know about the story just because we, we've heard it over and over again or we've adapted it to work for us and, and, in fact, it's not necessarily the case? We don't know how many wise men there were. We guess three, or we use the three because they brought three gifts, and so it just sort of lines up well. They can each bring one, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how many there were. Odds are, in fact, that there was probably a caravan. There was probably a lot of people that came. Um, not only the wise men, but everybody else that would need to go along with them and all the supplies to make a journey like that because we believe they came from, you know, maybe Persia, maybe Babylon, but it would have been a journey that would have taken them weeks or months at the least, to get to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Bethlehem. And so really, it's unlikely that it was three people making this journey of this length all by themselves, particularly people of any kind of means like these wise men would have been. So it was probably a large crowd of people that made this trip together. We call them magi, which has the same sort of root word or meaning of the word magician for us. Some, some songs that we sing, some references in the church call them kings. We have no reason to believe they were kings. In fact, we, we would believe they weren't necessarily kings. 
They were wise men, magi. Another, another way of understanding magi back then, like Crystal said, was they were astronomers. They, they were people who were known to be educated, scholarly, to be well-read, not only in their own context, but also to be paying attention to and reading and listening to stories, traditions that would have come from other places, other lands, different faiths. But particularly, they were known as people who could, they called it do magic, but the magic was essentially that based on all that they knew and were aware of, that they could read the signs, not only of what was going on around them, but even in the heavens and the stars, and interpret that for people and make meaning of it for people. So they were probably ancient astronomers, educated, intelligent astronomers. And so they were looking up in the sky as they would have done and paying attention and, and they saw a sign. They saw a star, like Crystal said, that was new to them. And we're not sure what exactly it was that they saw. That was their best guess, that they saw a star. But it appeared and it burned brightly. And because of what they understood and knew, they knew that it signified the birth of someone important, a king. I don't know, have you ever observed an astronomical phenomenon or experienced something like been outside to see a shooting star? Or a meteor shower, an eclipse, a, a, a constellation. Have you ever had an experience like that? You're outside and you have a moment just to look up and see those things. Isn't it interesting how those moments just sort of have a way of opening our minds up to something bigger, to something more vast? Something that feels like and looks like it, it, it is indeed beyond what we can necessarily define or put our finger on. It opens us up to the notion that there's more. There's more out there than even me or us or we can fully comprehend. And that's what happened for these wise men, these magi. And this sign of the star that appeared to them is significant in one way because these wise men, these magi, weren't Jewish people. They weren't Hebrews. They, they weren't necessarily students of the Torah or people who would have been looking for and understood the significance of the Hebrew Messiah that was to come. Now, they may have had some awareness because of having heard things from other places, but understand in their context, these would have been Gentiles. I mean, these, these would not have been Hebrew people. So even this journey, this quest that they went on to follow that star wasn't because they were looking for their Messiah. I mean, we have no reason to think that these were particularly religious people at all. Just knowledgeable and intelligent and became aware of something significant and wanted to go find out what it was. So in fact, what we find in this part of the Christmas story, 
where this sign appears, this star, is that it appears and draws the attention of some people who aren't particularly religious as far as we would think, certainly aren't Jewish, aren't looking for their Messiah. It's not necessarily even a religious experience or journey that they're going on. They just have some awareness and are curious. I think that's a particularly significant sign for the times in which we live in. That these people who weren't particularly religious, but were paying attention and were well-read, and in fact it would appear then, based on the fact that they had this knowledge, that they likely were pulling knowledge together of all kinds of teachings and faiths and understandings of life and the world and what makes meaning for us. And, and they would have been the kind of people that were sort of dining at this buffet of, of the teachings of life. Not necessarily particularly religious, certainly not Jewish, and definitely obviously not Christian. And yet it's to people like that that the star of Bethlehem appears. And I made the argument that that's potentially significant for us to understand the significance of that sign because at any given moment, on any given Sunday, sitting in the pews of any church are going to be people who are merely curious, interested, been paying attention, seen some things, read some things, Not necessarily the knowledgeable, devoted, committed followers of Jesus. And statistics tell you that it's this season, the Advent season and Christmas, when that happens most of all. People who are just interested and curious. And the fact that this sign, the star of Bethlehem, this sign from God appears to people who are just curious has great meaning for us today. To think, to understand that this is the way God works. In fact, to understand it even more deeply, these wise men, these magi and all who traveled with them were the first Gentiles, the first non-Jewish people to whom God revealed the presence of the King, Jesus. And invited them to come and see. And so they go to see. They go to Jerusalem. They go to the King. They go to King Herod and they say, we've seen a sign that according to what we understand about your faith means it's the birth of a king. But you see where that could be awkward for Herod, the king, to hear that the birth of a new king has happened. It says it troubled Herod greatly and troubled all of Jerusalem that there's been a new king born. But what about the king who's here now? They weren't even ready to receive the news that a new king had come. Until these wise men, these particularly, not particularly religious people, show up and say, we've seen this sign. 
Oh, the significance. The people who didn't even necessarily believe, but saw a sign and followed it, came to Jerusalem, the home of the church, came to the king and all of his court and his scholars, all of the biblically knowledgeable people, that these folks who were on the outside just curious and wandered in and pointed out something to them that they didn't even realize that they didn't even know was happening in their midst. Again, I think there's something there for us to learn about the fact that these folks who hadn't grown up in the church, didn't live it their whole lives, hadn't memorized the stories, but rather saw something and were curious and interested and came and asked questions, brought to light something for the religious people that they didn't even know was happening in their midst. Maybe there's something to be said for coming to Christ, for following the sign of the star without so much certainty, but rather with a little bit of wonder and openness, a willingness to hear something new, to learn something new, to experience something different in the faith. Like the Magi sort of taught a lesson to the religious scholars of the day, that day. There's something to be learned from the fact that the educated, wealthy, well-respected pagans from far away were willing to come and kneel in the filth and the grime of a stable to honor a king when the religious people weren't. You see the signs of this story for us? This star that led the Magi to the king? Now Herod said, tell me where he's at so I can go and worship him. When you read the rest of the story, you know that's not at all what he had in mind. He wanted to put him to death. Hence his decree Based on the time when the Magi said the star appeared and how long it took him to travel, he said any baby under two, any male child under two. He couldn't fathom the fact that the way he understood and had ordered life and the kingdom and their faith was about to get turned upside down by a new king. And so it says, the Magi go. They go to follow the star. And they see it. Right over the place where Jesus had been born. And then as they go up to where the star marked the place, the scripture says they were filled with joy. Actually, that translation doesn't do it justice. The King James is better because it says they were filled with joy overwhelmingly with exceeding joy. In the original language, there are literally four words strung there together to emphasize just how much joy filled their souls when they followed the star to the king. Have you ever seen that kind of joy in somebody? I mean, the first time Dean smiled, 
You saw the joy in his eyes. When you watch a child open a Christmas present, you see the joy in their eyes. When you see somebody have an experience with Christ that changes their lives, you see the joy in their eyes and in their heart, and they're filled overwhelmingly, exceedingly. And brothers and sisters, that's why we're here. Is so the star of Christ would lead people to him and that we could somehow, some way, be a part of that as God's church in the world and in Shambly today. Oh, that each one of us would see the sign of the star and be willing to follow it and go to a new place in our own faith that God might reveal something new and different to us about what it means to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, that this place, Shambly United Methodist Church, for this community would be a place where people would see something, something that would pique their interest, their curiosity. Maybe they're not religious, not Christian, not fully interested, but curious, but caught enough of a glimpse of something that they said, I want to know more. Something like the Thanksgiving food drive that happened last weekend, culminating with the distribution this past Sunday. Or look in your bulletin under the church life section for all of the things that are going to happen in this church over the next several weeks. Whether it's the live nativity, breakfast with Santa, the angel tree, the service of lessons and carols next Sunday, our Christmas Eve celebrations, just to name a few. Don't you want those things to be the kind of shining light in the lives of our neighbors that would make them want to come and know the king? Can you see the star? Maybe it's a literal star, maybe not. Who knows what kind of sign it would be that would rest right here over this place, that this would be a place where people would come and know and experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. That this would be that kind of place now, today. Just like it was for the Magi following the star to Bethlehem. So I want to invite you to help make that happen. To be a part of that light of the Christmas star shining in the lives of the people in our community. Of all the things I just named, there are ways for you to participate and be a part. But you know what? That light can shine in you and through you when you go out of these doors, no matter where you're going or what you're doing. But that somehow the light of Christ would shine, that star light would shine in our world, in our community, in Shambly, this Christmas. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I invite you to participate in however you can as we celebrate the season together. There are ways for you to serve, to give, to show up, to invite people. And I hope you'll take advantage of them. I want to invite you to let the light of Christ shine in you. Maybe even today in a new way. Even if you're just curious, interested, I invite you like the Magi, the wise men, to be open 
to the presence of the king in your life today. And if you're looking for a church to call home, a place where you can be a part of that together with other people, I want to invite you to consider Shambly First United Methodist Church. A place where the light of Christ can shine in us, through us, and among us together. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing our closing hymn. As we do that, I want to let you know that the altar rail is open for you if you would like to come and kneel and pray. If there's anything that I can do for you, be praying for you, pray with you, I'll be right here. Or you can reach out to me outside of the worship service and I'll be happy to be there for you however I can. But as we stand now to sing our closing hymn, would you stand and sing with joy, the joy of the light that is shining in you. We've a story to tell the nations.